We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you here on Tuesday, or no, Monday night, the 22nd of August. We are in um, just the dead of deadest zones, but how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while since we've been able to talk on one of these. That's right. So that feels good to get back in the swing of things. It does, and getting in the habit of doing this again will at <laughs> once, like, it, I, I, on the one hand, like, dread it, and on the other hand, I, I we were just talking in the pre-show, like making me do stuff. Like I, I I'm just I, I feel a little more accomplished. Like like you fight off the the um uh you know the 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 suck of it all sometimes by being busy. Um, and I am looking forward to Mavs basketball. I've sort of reached that point in the counter. We don't really have anything that we specifically wanted to talk about, but a number of things have kind of happened. You know, I talked to Ben a little bit about the schedule. He and I talked a little bit about the Slovenia uh, versus um, Serbia game. They played Croatia the other day. There's like sort of, there's, you know, the NBA is just kind of in the point in the calendar where there's like ridiculous fights happening. You know, Mark Cuban went and did like an hour long interview with Taylor Rooks where he told a story. I, I feel crazy. I feel, have I just like blocked out that Kobe story he told? Is that a new thing or is that an old thing no. that I just get mad about? Yeah, that's an old. I I swear I've heard him tell that story before. Okay, it wasn't the first time I remember hearing that. I love. I love. I, it's you know maybe I just blocked it out of my brain related to that. For anybody that missed it, he basically told Taylor Rooks a story on a podcast that was. Um, he thought that the Mavericks securing Kobe in two thousand seven. Yeah, 2007 was a done deal, and it was not. Um, and I just maybe I just really don't remember this because it feels so ridiculous. But you know, past that, it's it's uh, it's kind of like the wait and see. We still got this last roster spot open. Um, where where is your brain recently? Because you know you've you've kind of uh, been actually using your time off like you should have, <laughs> like I should have. Um. Yeah, I think it's. 
something that's interesting. I'm trying to figure out how much of it is Cuban talk and how much of it is real, but I believe he did an interview with our, our friend Dalton, uh, Dalton Trigg at DallasBasketball.com either, or I don't know if it was, it was like last week. I can't remember when. It was over the weekend. Recent. Yeah, it was, it was recent. over the weekend okay, because he, he, uh, he told me about it and I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. He asked Cuban for an interview. Cuban said no. And Dalton sort of was like, eh, come on, why not? <laughs> and then Cuban went on and made some news by sort of saying that, like, Frank Nilakina is going to be the third guard. Which... Yeah, that, that's not what I want specifically want to talk about, because that kind of just made me like. That made me laugh. That's, like, it's just yeah. so objectively not true. Right. That's just him selling. He's a salesman. Like, yeah. He does that every every summer. That's fine. It's his team. You know, it's whatever. I've, I've kind of gotten over that part of it. But right. he did indicate that, like, the summer might be over for them, um, and they would carry that roster spot into the regular season. And I'm trying to figure out if that's just him trying to set expectations or if that's, like, legitimately what they're planning to do because I think a lot of hope left from Mavericks fans in terms of the offseason not being over is that they can get involved in – if Donovan, if or when Donovan Mitchell gets traded, or if and when Kevin Durant gets traded, the Mavericks can like worm their way into those deals, or you know the Jazz. If once they trade Mitchell, they're obviously going to uh, not be a competitive team anymore, and they've got a handful of veterans that they probably won't have use for. You know, maybe the Mavericks could capitalize on. But part of me is starting to feel like you know what I, I think that they are just. I think they're good. And I think something you talked about before you went on vacation, I mean, you've talked about it multiple times, how this season might be them like taking their medicine in terms of their uh, roster building uh, assets. And I wonder, you know, if they really are done for the summer and they're going to carry that roster spot open. I wonder if there's a part of them that is just like, look, we still owe KP. We still owe a pick on the KP trade. We're capped out till 2024. We know Luca with this top six, seven guys can be competitive team. You know, why are we going to trade? You know, if it costs a first rounder to get like Boyan Bogdanovich, like why? He's not going to, like, if he's not going to move the needle. Like, I wonder if they're just like, we know we've only got one more big trade left in us uh, during this Luka extension. I wonder if they're just like, let's just wait until we know we're going to get an all-star. I wonder if that's the thought process over there. I mean, that would make sense because the further we get away from not signing Goran Dragic, the less sense that makes. Um, <laughs> because number one, Dragic looks amazing, even though, let's be realistic. I, I told somebody, who did I say this to? I said, told somebody that like my baseline for him was like 35 to 50 games maybe. And I know that, that like if the Mavericks want to get somebody, they probably want to get like a real potential guy that's going to like get minutes and, and, you know, Dragic gets hurt a lot. That's a fact. He's 36 and, you know, he's, he's not getting younger. It, it is what it is. But if you assume that, like, okay, they didn't want that deal for whatever reason, you know, whether they didn't think he was good enough, which I just can't bring myself to believe, whether they had a different role for him, you know, which I think might be true, but also weird, going in with that flexibility and basically hoping that something breaks in this, like, log jam makes sense i hate it let's be clear (laughs) but i i get the logic behind it because you never know what's going to happen mark cuban really probably doesn't want to pay anybody else anything because it's like they 
the Mavericks books have been weird for years. Like, do you remember when they signed like Gal Meckle to a multi-year deal? They had all these, they had a lot of dead money on, not a lot. They had a, a number of players on their dead money for like small amounts. And I bet he just doesn't want to do that. Like if, if you're already in the luxury tax, who am I to say, oh, you should just cut the guy that you're having to pay, you know, a time and a half for whatever the salary, uh, the luxury tax thing is. It's like, if, if you don't need it, don't do it. I just, I'm very curious how that plays out once the grind happens. I mean, and there's always buyout guys every year and I feel like they've done this before. Like, didn't they? I don't know if they did. Maybe it was because of the they had an extra roster spot from the Rondo trade. But like in 2015, they signed Mari Stoudemire. I feel like there was one year they signed David Lee. I feel like they kind of like having that open spot because they like the you know the buyout market. And I wonder, wonder if that's what they're thinking because uh, you know there is going to be some roster churn whenever all this you know trade mania, trade request stuff eventually gets settled. And if you know you feel like. Even if Kevin Durant doesn't get traded, Mitchell, it feels like that's just an inevitability with Mitchell. So, did you see how many picks Stephen A. Smith said that that the that the Jazz were demanding for him? I did not see that. But Danny, (laughs) well, that means Danny Ainge, man. So I think I think the market might be held for a while. But I mean, you're you've got to be right on this because it's just like the team building element of it just doesn't make a ton of sense like there was this odd debate on the t- on the twitter timeline as there is every point in this year in august where it's like <laughs> somebody like is one of the various luka Doncic like like luka Doncic fan accounts saying that like you know look at the other rosters that were in like the top eight the mavericks have the worst roster like it was it was a a, dis- a distilled version of what you and i have been saying for years it's not insulting fans who are like oh well so and so is an nba player it's like sorry man i would take so many of the guys that the mavericks ran up against over the like six seven eight guys in the mavericks roster like you just you can't tell me frank nilakina is is a is a good nba player relative to someone like cam johnson i'm not interested in that discussion and i i'm I'm meandering now because that that's just what august podcasts do (laughs) but it's it's an element of this roster that they have right now is just it's it's got a narrow path to success and the path is Luka Doncic being otherworldly and right now I'll tell you man I feel really good about that option (laughs) yeah Yeah. and yeah I did see that tweet about like the rosters and it was kind of funny to say that after like this was the best playoff run for the Mavericks role players in the Luka era so far. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Uh, I just thought the time, like I got it in 2019, 2020, but like they actually, like they came through, like, I mean, Luka actually was not, you know, he kind of struggled with his shooting in the last playoffs. I mean, he was obviously uh, still really, 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 really good, but uh, I just thought that was funny timing. Like they, the last season was actually the season where it felt like they did have like three or four like elite role players because Dinwiddie was playing out of his mind and uh, Bullock and Finney Smith really, I think, hit another gear in that second half of the season. So that was just kind of funny. But but yeah, I just, I think, you know, they don't have a lot to trade. You know, I think that's, you know, I just don't think they want to give up anything right now for something they would think is a marginal upgrade. Now that they've kind of reached a step where they feel like, okay, 
you know, Wood, Dinwiddie, Dorian, Bullock. Like, we've got enough guys, you know, that we feel confident in. And I don't think that was the case in 2019. I don't think that was the case in 2020. Uh, and so maybe they just feel a little bit better about uh, their situation where they don't feel like they have to go all in just yet uh, on, a, on a role player. Um, and I mean, like, you know, they're capped out. They can't really do anything next summer unless they find a way to do some trades. So, you know, I would love it if they would, um, you know, maybe take on a bad contract and get a, and get a draft pick, but that's just, I don't know if that will ever be their, their MO. So other than that, I, I don't know what else they're going to, you know, I can kind of see it. Like, yeah, it'd be sweet if uh, next week Donovan Mitchell gets traded in the Mavericks, find a way to get like Boyan Bogdanovich. But if he costs a first, like if Donovan Mitchell costs however many firsts, I'm assuming the Jazz are going to ask for a first for one of these role players. You know, I've been talking about Jordan Clarkson would be a nice bench guard fit. Like, do you want to trade a first for either of those guys? Like, I actually, at this point, despite the fact that like this hasn't been an offseason I'm totally a fan of like at that point I'm just like you know what let's just wait you know like is that going to be the needle mover this season when you can maybe package that pick down the road and again I feel like I'm repeating like the plan powder stuff where it's like well why would we spend cap space uh on this guy when we can save it for the superstar but I feel like with the trade market and first round picks it's like it's a little different like trades and first round picks like we know that that can return like you know the Mavericks can't force teams to take their cap space, but they can or force players to take their money. Uh, but if they have enough first round picks, they can force teams to trade their players to them. If that makes yeah. uh, a little sense. So, yeah, I kind of get it, but I also understand like the frustration, like kind of, well, and, and so the, the argument kind of has to be right now. Okay. You expect you're, you're hoping Luca plays 70 games and yeah. that is a risky endeavor based on how he plays. Um, not the minutes. Like I think he's going to play a ton of minutes this year. And I think also all of us, me, you, everyone needs to remember the fact that he's a 23 year old man. And at one point in time, Dirk Nowitzki played like 42 minutes a game forever. Michael Finley played 40 something minutes a game for six straight years. Like, like these guys are professional athletes. Luca looks incredible right now. And I mean, like really, truly hyperbolically incredible right now. And if you if if Luca plays this many games, 70 games, the Mavs are gonna win 40, 46 of them. And then you know, you, you hope in the other ones you go 500, and then all of a sudden you're a 52 game, 52 win team. I mean, it's it I hate to be that, you know. I mean, God, I must sound really weird to people who think I, I hate the team all the time. Um, shout out Mark Cuban. Uh, yeah. but it, it's it, I just I don't know right now with having watching him play in this in this uh, the Euroleague friendlies, I just find myself like really excited. And the thing about it is, and, and this is like the flip side of this: say something really unfortunate happens, then what the Mavericks do is they basically bank on the fact that their top ten pick that they owe, you know, <laughs> like they end up in the lottery and they figure something out in a draft that looks preposterous. Like I don't, ex- that's not an expectation. I don't not saying they should tank, but it's just like with the way this roster is built right now, it's Luca or nothing. That's right. okay. Yeah. I actually think at this point, I'm less worried about the roster. Cause like you said, you know, even losing Brunson, you know, it's still Luca. They still have like five or six reliable shooters. 
um, give or take. You know, Dinwiddie, it's, you know, playoff, some playoff struggles aside, and some might be a little underselling it, you know, because basically until like the end of that Phoenix series, he was he was pretty dreadful. But uh, we saw what he did in the regular season. Obviously, he's not going to shoot 50% from the field and 40% from three, but I feel like there's a difference. They've unlocked him. You know, I don't know if it's Jason Kidd, God, Sham God, him just returning, him in the right role in, in an organization that can win uh, and, you know, playing next to Luca. I feel pretty decent about him. And there's just a floor where it's like, you know, if it's Luca with another ball handler and a couple shooters and roll man or, or pick and pop guy, like they can only be so bad. Like, I mean, think about how bad the Mavericks were at times in the first half of last season when Luca was out of shape and getting hurt and COVID. I mean, this team has basically had two straight seasons of COVID like wiped. I mean, all of these teams have had COVID wiping out like a month of their season. But the Mavs never really lose a beat. And it's pretty – I just keep thinking like, man, what if they play a full season without any of that BS? Like what if Luca comes into camp in shape? You know, they're obviously the the – likelihood of like a COVID outbreak uh, of the last two seasons isn't really going to happen anymore with the state of things. Um, So like, I feel pretty confident that they can be really consistent from start to finish. I think I'm more worried about just the rest of the conference, to be honest. Like I'm less worried about the Mavs and more like, I feel like there's just all these teams that are just loading up and getting better and better. And not to say that they're better. All of them are better than the Mavs, but it's just, you know, it's just, you know, worrying. And it's like, Man, New Orleans put the fear of God into the Pelican, uh, into the Suns before the Mavericks played the Suns, and that was without Zion. And <laughs> Memphis is getting better, and like it's just, it's just tough. Uh, it's like an, the Western Conference; like it's every year, it's like an arms race. These teams in the West just keep getting better and better. I, I talked to my Pelicans guy today. The show's going to go up Wednesday morning, and I am leaning towards the Pelicans being better than the Grizzlies. I know that's wild, but that's just where my head is because it's like. Oh, they were going to hate you. <laughs> well, when they closed, like this is a little thing, but like after the trade for CJ McCollum, they closed yeah. on a hell of a win pace. Like yep, they did pretty... got healthy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you're adding Zion, who's terrifying. And let's just say, I don't know, let's not get into the specifics there, but I'll just right. say that like th- this is the, so this brings me back to the schedule and getting off to a good start. Now you said something, I just tweeted out a pair of photos and it was Luca after, um, it was like December preseason 2020. So after the bubble, when he managed to just let himself go like nobody's business, and then him taking a hook shot over Jokic earlier this week. And let's just put it like this. I think people are understandably worried about the volume of basketball Luka Doncic is playing. He's gone from 100-plus games. I guess he won't have played 100-plus games. But the NBA season that, he, that the Mavericks played was all like a strict 100 games. And then he goes and starts playing these friendlies. Then he goes to Eurobasket and then he is playing NBA basketball again. I will tell you what, guys, I if we have been talking for two and a half years about when if Luka Doncic comes into camp in shape, I think he's going to look how he did to start the 19-20 season. The Mavericks started that season 16-5. The Mavericks schedule is a little bit dicey to start the year. Like they need to play 500 basketball, but I just right now, I'm leaning into feeling good about stuff, which, you know, it's funny. You and I did this last year, too, and then they played 500 basketball, only we hated how they looked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll see. And, like, you're right about Luca and the way he looks, but, man, I'm just 
people can get mad at me all they want, but Luca Luca is like a shapeshifter, and I will not believe it until I see him on the court in October. Like I just need to get him to the season because we've seen him go from super in shape to three weeks, and he he looks like you know he well, had Taco Bell. Every I mean, day Tim McMahon said he was playing at the start of last season north of two sixty. <laughs> This okay. is why we were going insane when we were like, this is a thing. And people are like, oh, no, it's it's all this other stuff. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> what are we looking at here? Well, it's, it, it's it, and that's okay. Because it was it was shocking. Yeah. Because <laughs> it happened two years in a row. That's yeah. the really specific thing. But, like, right now I'm just, you know, I, I, I feel okay about stuff. So, like. Like they start, I'm going to, I should have had the, the schedule pulled up. Was there any, was there any element of the schedule that sort of like jumped out at you? I mean, they play 17 times in November. That jumps out at me. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. It seems, I think they're league average and back-to-backs, which is nice. Um, yep. And really you pointed it out. I mean, the start of their schedule, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are in Brooklyn and they're playing games, uh, to start this that season, I mean, the first four games are are crazy. I, I mean, three out three out of four on the road, all four against presume you know, KD doesn't get traded, presumably all you know title contenders, basically, or maybe not title play at least playoff contenders with New Orleans. So uh-huh. uh, I'll be curious to see, like, because like we both said, I'm not worried about this team February through March, beginning April, like how many times they've, they've, they've proven the last two seasons that they can reach a gear, uh, you know, and usually that's coincided with Luca hitting, hitting, hitting his gear. I just want to see the good start and it's going to be probably the hardest four game stretch they've had in the Luca era to start a season. So they're going to have, they're going to show us right away how ready they are for the season. Not, you know, they can go on four and I, I still wouldn't be like shocked or like, Oh, the team's done because you know, We've seen I two love years the now that this team. I love the Phoenix events. opening opening night game. Yeah, that's fun. Like then they play them in this in the weird like rivalry week that the NBA has going on at some point um in January. Like they they're really playing up and and I mean the more we the more I think about it, gosh, I cannot wait. Uh, they broke the Suns, I think, in a really like sort of what happened to the Mavericks in 2007. Like it's one of those things yes. that that you you need to find a way back from and I just don't know if they can because I was talking to to Mason Ginsburg, uh one of the the Pelicans guy I know and I just said like I think that the the Pelicans drained Phoenix uh like kind of spiritually to a degree. They were not ready for that series against uh the Pelicans and it took a lot for them to beat the Pelicans and then the Mavericks came in and just after going out 02, really delivered a couple of body blows. So I was I was really impressed by that. But I'll tell you, the part of the schedule that I love more than anything else, they play Fien- or they play Memphis three times in nine days in March. That'll be fun. That's I know the NBA is beautiful. trying to push Phoenix uh, as like the Mavs' new rival, but I think if you talk to a lot of Mavs fans online, it's starting the Jaw Luca thing, Memphis being in their division, Memphis being a team in the path for the Mavs, you know, to contend. I, I kind of like that. I like, you know, I like the idea of like John Luca. I mean, it sucks in terms of like hoping the Mavericks can, can dominate the division, but like those two guys playing each other every year, like if they can stay together, stay on healthy competitive teams, like, you know, how much, you know, as much as it sucked 
at the moment when when the Mavericks would lose, like the fact that like Dirk and Tim Duncan basically guaranteed played each other four times a year for their entire careers was like kind of special as an NBA fan. Like, yep, they that's how that rivalry really grew. So like I could you know that's where I can see uh, like if we're looking for a rival in the Luca era, I, I like Memphis for that. Oh, and they backloaded it because yeah. one of the beautiful parts about this last season, and I just think this matters with the play-in, is they've made March and April basketball matter. Like, we yeah. had a great time covering these games. Like It was literally good for you and I because all of a sudden, tons of people who were kind of tuning, you know, let's be honest, there's a huge segment of basketball fans that doesn't care about basketball right now at all. But when the NFL season ends, the calendar flips over, and there they are. And we like we see it literally in our page views and downloads. And so it's great to have meaningful games for everybody at that point in the year. Like, ah, man, I mean, they play they play Atlanta the fourth, the last game. It's there's just there's some fun stuff in the scheduling. I, I there was a really cool article by my friend Katie Heindahl uh, about how they put the schedule together. And it's really incredible the kind of stuff that they do. I I we bitch about the NBA a lot because they do a lot of weird stuff that we don't understand. But I will say I, I must I appreciate the way that they're trying stuff in, in the Adam Silver era. Like, it, you know, the midseason tournament might not be for everybody, but like these home and home series where you play two like the same team twice in a row, sometimes in the same arena within 72 hours. I love that stuff. It's going to be it's fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm starting, you know, I think when the season ended, we. I at least I you know understandably was like okay I need a break and I'm I think I'm starting to get back into like I'm ready like I'm getting excited uh, I know that the off season you know again wasn't what you know we or anyone else particularly asked for but like been enough time like you said watching Luca in these uh, international games like it's fun like I'm getting starting to get juiced up again and it's exciting to think about. Which is hilarious because at this point last offseason, you're like, can we just get to the playoffs? This team doesn't have anything interesting to tell me. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, trading, I'm telling you, man, that Kristaps trade was a bolt of energy into my brain. Uh, that's all we've been asking for, you know, roster shakeup, and we finally got it. And fortunately, it shook up maybe a little bit more than we wanted this summer with Brunson going. But uh, it's like new, you know, new guys. Like, you know, now yeah. there's Christian Wood. Like, I'm – I want to know what that looks like. Like, let's get the season started. Like last season, I mean, there was some unknown with, uh, you know, how would a kid and the new coaching staff affect the roster. But at the end of the day, I was just a little like, okay, you know, I've seen these guys play three straight seasons, like with, with Maxi, Dorian and and Powell. It's like, these guys have been on the team for like six years already. Like I'm, you know, not anything against them, but you know, new when the roster changes and there's new guys in new places, you make things a little bit more interesting. Yep. Well, we got our ti- our countdown timer. We use an app that basically limits us, which is probably <laughs> for the best because we do like our 45-minute podcast. But, you know, head over to MavsMoneyBall.com. We've not been writing a ton. Our, our guy, David Trink, wrote a story which just tickled me to no end. The amazingly headlined, How Christian Wood Can Avoid Being Chris Stapp's Porzingis, uh, which <laughs> if you haven't read, I, I recommend. Uh, our man Panda Hank did a really fun video back in 2006 uh, when Dirk scored 30 something points to help lead a comeback against the Denver Nuggets, where the final score was 83 to 80. So we're talking different basketball here. Um, and then there's a, you know a couple other things here and there. We're going to speed back up eventually, but you know we wrote so much and none of us get paid enough to work as hard as we do uh, to where I'm just kind of you know uh, meandering through. I'm going to keep posting these podcasts though because these are 
these are fun. Um, we'll have a few more a little later this week, but maybe nothing over the weekend. So I'm not sure. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, let's let's do it. Let's get out of here. We okay. did it. All right. <laughs> Kirk Henderson, Josh Bow, Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Uh, and let me know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Maybe we'll do a mailbag next week. I, we haven't done a mailbag in forever. Mm. I don't know. So, All right. Kirk Henderson, Josh Bow, Mavs <laughs> Moneyball After Dark again. I'm really bad at this. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>